0: All right, so here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna dive in to a passage of scripture today uh, that is going to show us a little bit about the nuts and bolts of being invitational. Because being invitational is difficult. Um, it's a radical idea for you to believe as a follower of Christ, um, depending on where you are in your journey, to think that like you are gonna be the one that's gonna engage someone, have a conversation with them, maybe share who Christ is, that can be very intimidating, that can be something that feels like impossible, that can be something that you might feel is my job and not your job. You may think that your whole job is, is to just be relational and that is a huge part of it, but I believe as followers of Christ that we have an actual mission and we are supposed to be on mission and that mission is specific to the person of Jesus. And so we're gonna look at a passage of scripture about Jesus, and, and it is gonna be fun to unpack this passage together. This is in Luke 19. So go ahead, you can turn in your Bibles to Luke 19. We're gonna read the first 10 verses. This is um, about the story of Zacchaeus. And uh, one of the things to know about this passage is that Jesus is, as we see, is going through a place called Jericho. And there's a lot of things that are happening in Jericho. Jericho is outside the city of Jerusalem. A lot of things that have happened in history. Uh, The big one is the the Battle of Jericho, where Joshua fit the Battle of Jericho. You can read that that story in, in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, where... The nation of Israel marched around Jericho and and because of the way that they did it and God's interaction with them, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down and they defeated their enemies. And so ultimately, the city of Jericho just has always had this idea of God knocking down walls, God doing things that are dramatic and big and life-changing. And what we see is that uh, this story is no different. And the author of the book, Luke, um, who's basically like a detective, a doctor, he's a researcher, he, he tells this story and this story is not found anywhere else in the, in, in the New Testament. He picks this story and the city of Jericho story to kind of give us an insight into one of the major themes that he's trying to get across. And, and that the, the main theme that he's trying to get across with this is that God is going to change people's lives. And you have to get that through your mind. God is going to reach people. Jesus is going to reach people. Now, at the same time, the, the hard part about th- this story in the city of Jericho is that not all people will be reached. That not all people will allow themselves to be reached. Because this story is juxtaposed to another story of a wealthy man who turns his back on God and doesn't follow Jesus. Jesus. And so what you see in this story is this kind of unfolding of, well, Jesus went after the rich young ruler, and the rich young ruler turned his back on the offering to follow God, and so we can often think, well, there it is, you know, rich people will never follow God, but then we move over to Jericho, where there's big walls, um, whether it's money or different gods, and Jesus is going to go into Jericho now, and he's going to knock down those walls, he's going to reach that person, because Jesus is going to reach people. And when we, when we start to get that in our minds, it starts to change us because ultimately the plan of reaching people after Jesus left was the church. So Jesus tells his followers at certain points and in different ways throughout his life and his ministry on earth, he does these miracles, he does great things, and he says, you're going to do greater things. And what he means by that is that the church the global network of little Christians, little little Christ followers all over the world are going to do amazing things. So what does that mean? That means that Jesus was on mission. That means that Jesus was reaching people. That means that Jesus um, often would throw like stuff against the wall and it wouldn't stick just like the rich young ruler. He went after him and he went away sad. Then he goes to Jericho and you're going to see that he reaches this man and ultimately this is the role that we're supposed to play. Like All of us are supposed to play an intentional role in being on mission to reach people, to reach people. And they will be reached. Um, God is not slow in his promise, but is faithful. And he is not willing that any should re- like actually die or fall away from him, but he wants all people to come to repentance. He wants people to know who he is and follow him. And so what you see is Jesus, he's going into Jericho, And an amazing story happens, and I want you to read along. And if if you if you haven't read the story before, like you need to spend some time with this story this week. Like it's it's just amazing what, what happens in this story. So I just want to read through this. Luke 19 says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man could not because of the crowd. start to get an idea, Jesus is coming through, there's crowds of people, this wealthy man who runs a large business wants the good seats. He wants, you know, he wants the rooftop seats to see the fireworks, whatever it is. He wants to to get close to the action. He wants the box seats at the game. And so he maneuvers his way to, to get good seats because there's this crowd and he figures it out. He's smart, he's wise, he knows how the world works, he knows where Jesus is gonna come. So he ran ahead, he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. That's where they got the, the whole idea of the tough mutter. This is a joke. It's a bad joke, but just pay attention. Um, he, was, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner, the people were muttering, Jesus has gone. He's gone over to the, to the chief tax collectors. We'll talk about that. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. So here's what we know about Zacchaeus. We know that Zacchaeus is is this chief tax collector. And that means that he actually, as a Jewish man, oversees other Jewish people who work for the nation of Rome to basically collect money from the nation of Israel and ultimately oppress them. And so... The idea of Zacchaeus that we all need to get as we kind of move into what it looks like to be invitational because what we're seeing here is a picture of Jesus being as invitational as you could ever imagine. We are seeing that Zacchaeus, this character, that he is hated in his town. He is a hated man. People despise him. He leads the leaders that they hate and every time that they give their taxes, Uh, The months go by, the seasons go by, and Zacchaeus' house and his possessions continue to grow, and the people kind of wander and figure out and are oppressed by the nation of Rome. And so you can imagine how hated he is. So what happens is, is you have this hated man. The religious leaders are literally um, disgusted by this man, and Jesus moves into Jericho, And he is on mission to reach someone, to help someone, to do something big. And so when you think about Zacchaeus and you think about your role, you think about that there's people to be reached, I wanna just set the table that not every person that we're supposed to reach is like Zacchaeus, right? I mean, it's not like we're supposed to go look for the most hated person at our work or the most hated person in the neighborhood necessarily. This is a personification of darkness and brokenness that Jesus moves right into, which should basically say to all of us that any person who is outside of a relationship with Jesus, even if they are the kind of person that people love, but you know they don't love God, we should still be on mission to reach that person as well. It just so happens that this man is hated and Jesus makes a very clear point of moving into his space and being on mission to meet him. Now you and I, like I said, we're supposed to be on mission for God. We're supposed to be the kind of people who reach people and share our lives with people and tell people about who Jesus is and tell people what it means to you to follow Jesus. We're supposed to be that kind of people. And if, if, that, if that rubs you the wrong way, you have to wrestle with what it is you're supposed to share. Because when you truly love Jesus, and if you love anything, you share it with people. You can't help but share it with people. You can't help tell people about what matters to you most. Uh, I have a, a friend in my, in my neighborhood who he has all of the Jordans, every pair of Jordans. He's uh, this amazing guy, he's a Greek family from Chicago, loves Michael Jordan. He has every pair of Jordans. When I saw him once, I was like, oh, dude, those are sweet. He was wearing a pair. And he's like, yeah, I have every pair. And I was like, what? And my kids went over there and they said he has like a case downstairs of all the Jordans. It's like, wow, and all he was doing was wearing these things on his feet. Now imagine if after 10 years went by and I see him every weekend and he never ever told me about his Jordans and then one day I find out. I'd be like, why didn't you tell me this? Like we talked all the time, I even said I liked him. How come you didn't tell me this? The reason that uh, that would never happen is because he cares so much about those shoes that that will never happen. He's going to tell me. And so before we even move into the missional life, we have to like wrestle with how insanely in love with Jesus we are, how he's affected our lives, and whether or not we want to tell people about him. Now the tact, the approach, the timing is everything. But in general, if you're not sitting here and you think that you don't have something that's amazing, it's not even just amazing. It's not even just like this beautiful thing that is so tasty you would share it with all your friends and it will change their life. That, that is a huge piece of it. Like we should think that what Jesus is going to do is change people's lives for the better radically. That, that, so we should want to tell them, almost like a, a doctor on the front lines uh, of like a battleground. Oh, I got, I'm going to improve you. I'm going to help you. I'm gonna, that, that, that's like a foundation. But the other part is that we're commanded to. We're like, we're, Jesus is like, this is what you're supposed to do. He, he literally leaves earth and says, go into all the world and make disciples. That's the mission. Go on mission for me. Do it. Go tell everybody. So you have to take some time, especially in a season of invitation, to really wrestle through how excited you are about what you're inviting people to. And if, if it's not a part of what you wanna share at some point or who you wanna, what you wanna talk about, you gotta wrestle through that. You gotta wrestle through that. You gotta talk to somebody about that. You gotta go to our small groups and have discussion with, in a safe place and be like, I don't wanna talk about Jesus at my work and tell everybody that and then say, somebody help me learn how I can like actually work at Ernst and Young and talk about Jesus. You gotta work through it because you're supposed to. You're supposed to. You, you're supposed to talk about Jesus. You're supposed to share who Jesus is with people. It's part of the mission. So here's, here's how I think we, we have to get ourselves oriented and we can encourage ourselves through this story to actually share the life of Jesus, the first thing that you see about this situation is that Jesus was very, very aware, comfortable, and confident with who he was and is. Jesus knows he is the son of God. He knows that he is loved. He knows that he is on mission. And what you have to understand is that if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ that as you learn how God sees you and you understand your identity in Christ, there has to become a point where you understand and you believe that the way that God saw Jesus and sees Jesus, that's the way that God sees you. He has bound you and brought you into the family of God. You have, first and foremost, been called to the mission of reaching people and sharing who Jesus is with people, and furthermore, God has handpicked you. He's picked you. He has picked you. You think about this, it's not like he just like stood up in front of a crowd and said, all right, whoever wants to follow Jesus and go tell people about me, step forth. It's the opposite. He walked into the crowd, he said, you, 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 you. I picked you, I picked you, I picked you, I picked you. He picked every single one. My life verse growing up as a kid was John 15, 16. For you did not choose me, Jesus says, I chose you. You did not choose me, I chose you. And appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit (laughs) and that your fruit would remain, that whatever you ask in my name, it will be given to you. Now, I'm gonna tell you a crazy story. I believe that God picked me to do this work. I do not believe that I'm good enough to do this work. I do not believe that I behave in such a way that I've earned God's decision to use me at all. I believe that God came along to me and just went, you, the only difference between you and me is you don't think he did that. Because if you believed that God said, you, you, I'm picking you to do this, you would look past some of the things that you've done. You'd look past some of your past. You'd go, okay, he picked me. He knows. He knows what you've done. He knows what you've thought. He knows where you are. He knows where you're going. And guess what? He picks you. We have to start to be grounded in not maybe what we do all the time. What we do all the time has to improve all the time, but we have to understand who we are as Christ followers. The biggest response I ever get in sermon series at this church is when I do sermon series on people's identity. God loves you for who you are, not what you do. I'm dead serious, I did a series valuable. And I got a phone call from a person in Indiana. A church took the whole message and they, the whole town, they said, I'm not joking. They called me and they said, everyone in our town is talking about valuable. Everyone in our town. And I was like, okay, that makes me feel like I had an impact. I, I, I did one thing that helped the town in another state. That's awesome. They were totally raptured by hearing that God loves them for who they are, not what they do. Jesus knew I'm here on mission. I'm supposed to be the one who's in people's spaces. I'm supposed to be the one, I am loved by God. My identity is, 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 is right, it's good, and so I am the person for the job. Everybody say that, say, I am the person for the job. Say it, I am the person for the job. You start to unpack the theology in the New Testament, talking about your spiritual identity. I mean, this is why the the, the scriptures say that the devil is the accuser of the brethren because he's the one that's actually more guilty than anyone and he accuses you of not being good enough. And ultimately, the word of God and what God has to teach us is to tell us this is who you are. You are my son, you are my daughter, I love you, I picked you, you have your identity in me, don't listen to that lie, I know you've messed up, don't believe what you think it means, let me tell you who you are and start behaving based on who you are, who you are. Start acting like a king because you are a king, not act like a king and you'll become a king. Start acting like a king and you, you're this this person that God has chosen. People need to feel that they're loved. Can I just be the person today to tell you all that God favors you? He loves you. He's picked you. The theology behind this is rich. Paul says it this way. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You think you did something wrong? God chose you from the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's how he sees you. He goes, I picked you. You're the person for the job. Now, when you think about Jesus, don't you think that this should define Jesus, holy and blameless? Don't you feel like you're to blame? Come on, man. How many people feel like if everybody knew what we did in the past I'll give you two months that you would be the one to blame. Come on, raise your hand. You did something. You did. Peter, don't act like you didn't do something. You did something. Right, Shannon? You... What's that? His side of the room is really messy. We, we all did. This is how God sees us. Here, here, isn't that awesome? It's awesome. Look at this one. Peter. Peter. Or Pete, Jesus' friend. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This passage is unbelievable. This is this idea that God set apart this holy nation of people to to be a blessing to earth and to bring the greatest blessing to earth and ultimately when Jesus came there was a division between the people of God and now the Christian church and ultimately what Peter is saying is that the people uh, that are following Jesus have been grafted in and are included in the holy nation, the priesthood, the oracles, the doorway, the messengers, the light of the world. He is saying, you, you are, look at this, you are God's special possession. You're special to God. I know you need to hear that today. We are special to God. We move his heart. We make him feel things for for us, we make him think about, it. he loves us. You are the person, and then it, John says it this way, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You are blameless in his sight. You are his special possession. And you are his children. Come on, can I get an Amen. I mean, come on. we got to know this. This has to be, this has to do something. This has to do something different in our minds. This has to do something different in our eyes. This has to do something different inside of us. When I feel that someone has chosen me, it gives me a different sense of confidence. You know? Tommy Brown died and his mom called and said, I want you to do the funeral. Just, just on the top of my mind. Just to be chosen. Really? I didn't do anything. There's other people here that knew him better. I mean, ugh, okay. You chose me. I'm going to do this. Every one of us, Jesus, every single day is whispering, I choose you today. I forgive you today. You are special today. You. Jesus walked into Jericho. He knew this. He knew this. Now as special as Jesus was and is, Jesus was a master at relationships. He was a master at understanding how to talk to people, when to talk to people. and People that Understand they have something to say, but don't say it at the right time or in the right way. Ruin what they had to say. We've all met people like this. I, 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 I'm not joking you. Wes Martin was at my house. We were shooting baskets. And this kid rolled up on a Segway with a hat on and a, a golf shirt, all branded. And he was a pest control salesman. And we were, we were, he, he rolls up on a sidewalk, hey man, and, and we're sitting there, we're shooting hoops, and he, we're looking down at him, my garage is behind me, he's down on the sidewalk, and he, he goes, oh my gosh, whoa, did, did you see that? And we went like this, and then he went, oh man, something just ran right up your roof and into your gutter. And we were like, <laughs> Really? He goes, oh yeah, something just ran right up the right up the side of your house. Do you have mice up there? If you do, I'm your guy. I'm like, I've never seen a mouse climb up. He goes, well, maybe it was like a raccoon or whatever. Actually, I, I'm I'm even missing the story. We 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 go. He said all that, and then he acted like he doesn't actually serve, uh, you know, chipmunks or mice. And he's like, oh, by the way, oh, I just saw that. He kind of moves on. And then he goes, oh, I'm here if you have pests or whatever. And then we went down the conversation and we went, and do you help get rid of mice? And he's like, oh, yeah, I do that too. And, and I mean, Wes is a sweetheart, but Wes goes, hey, man, have a good day. See you later. Hey, have a good day, man. See you later. See you later. The guy was like, like he didn't like know what to do. Because if you have something to offer people, But you don't do it in the right way. You don't actually get to help them. You annoy them. And what you need to do when you know you are a Christ follower and you have something, someone amazing to share with people is you have to do something in the terms of reading people that I want to call wait for permission. You have to wait for permission. You see, one of the reasons you could criticize me um, there's only actually two, but I'll tell you one. Uh, one of the reasons is because when I'm up here on a Sunday, I'm bold. And you may see me somewhere else at Kroger or restaurant or the gym or whatever. And I'm not, I don't stand up before a workout and say, hey, before we hit this wad, I just want to open up 1 John, suckers. Open it up. I don't do that. Because I don't have permission to do that. They'd be like, uh, can you be, qual-? I mean, I would never, can you imagine checking out at the checkout aisle, getting the longest line, wait until it's my turn, turn around, say, hey, before I buy all these groceries, I want to tell you all about the bread of life. <laughs> I don't do that. Why? I don't have permission. When I'm in here, you all walked in. It's your own fault. It's your own fault. I mean, you walked in here. I'm gonna tell you what I think I'm supposed to tell you by sitting your butts right there. You gave me permission. You gave me permission. When you are engaging the, the world around you, you gotta wait for permission to share something that's that real and that heavy. You gotta wait. You gotta have boundaries. You gotta understand proximity. You gotta care. So, what happens in the story of Jericho? is Jesus is a master. He moves down the road, he gets to the spot, he looks up and he knows this guy made a huge move in his life to get into that spot. And ultimately Jesus went, hey, I'm coming to your house today, why? Because the guy, literally ran ahead, made this huge move, climbed up a tree in order to see Jesus. That's pretty much permission. That's permission. He's going, I wanted to see you. I'm here to, to figure out what you're all about. Jesus goes, oh, this guy wants to know. Think of Jesus. Isn't this cool? This guy wants to know what does he do. I'm coming to your house. I'm coming over. Now, the other thing you can criticize me for is I may invite myself to your house before I have permission. I, I kind of like, I grew up in a big family, so I want to hang out with people, and I like that. But that's not necessarily a good quality. I get criticized for that. Like when I'm driving through the Starbucks line, I talk to the lady there or the guy like they want to talk to me. Uh, it's probably because I'm on the narcissistic spectrum. But like I just, I, just, I feel like we want to talk. Let's engage. Like we should be talking. Like I want to talk to you. The reality is, is that if you know you have a mission and you have something special to say and you know you're the person for the job, if you move into people's lives and they give you permission, then you gotta move in. You gotta move in. How do you know when someone gives you permission? They start asking you questions. They start taking interest in your life. They start inviting you to certain things that matter to them. They ask how you're doing. I mean, I am excited about the building. I do not walk around, and when I see people, I was at a wedding last night. Someone that um, knows of our church but doesn't go to our church came up to me, and they're like, it's so exciting. How's the building going? How's it going? I was like, oh. They asked, so I told them. I do not go to a wedding, and start talking about the building. Hey, I'll have a a soda and water, Uh, club soda please, and uh, by the way, hey, can I tell you about the building? What building? I know this sounds so stupid, but this is so real. Wait for permission, and then take the opportunity the way Jesus does. So here's this next part, because This is such an amazing passage. I could probably do a whole series on this passage. I'm sure my team is sitting there going, what is he doing right now? Losing his mind. Um, this, This story is so cool. As I mentioned, Zacchaeus is hated. He's a hated man. People don't trust him or believe in him, and the community is bitter about his financial success. But Jesus, he sees something different than everyone else sees. And for us to be invitational, we got to know we're the people for the job. We got to wait for permission and learn to have tact and wait for those opportunities that people have, you know, opened themselves up to, to share something important. But we also have to start to see not just ourselves, the way that God sees us, we have to start to see other people the way that God sees them. And the way that the community saw Zacchaeus was he was a bad guy. And you see this, that the religious leaders, as soon as Jesus goes to his house, they start to mutter. Why? Because they don't see what Jesus sees. They see a guy who is a scoundrel, who is a thief, who is a traitor. And they go, He's not the guy. Jesus walks into town, and when he sees Zacchaeus, he says, I'm coming to your house. Because where other people see problems, Jesus sees potential. Look at this amazing story. Jesus moves into this town, this influential person who's a scoundrel gives him permission, and Jesus runs through the door. By the time Jesus gets to the house, they're sitting around having dinner, what happens? The guy who has stolen people's property, taken people's money, literally starts to give it back. So what does that mean? That means the top of the community starts to do things to actually bless the community and Jesus is the reason. Why? Because he saw someone's potential and not just their problems. And for us to be invitational, We have to start to gain this burden we have to start to look at people around us and go what if what if god got a hold of this person's life in the passage where it says that that um forgiveness and that repentance is taking place it's not the repentance of like sin or like turning away it is the idea of restoration zacchaeus looks at his life, looks at all the trouble that he's caused, look at all the pain that he's caused. And because Jesus saw potential in him, instead of taking, he starts giving. Instead of continuing to cause problems in the community, he starts to be a blessing to the community. He says, I'm going to bless this community. I'm not going to be the problem in Jericho. I'm going to be the solution. I'm going to give people their land back. I'm going to give people their money back. I'm going to help them feel a sense of identity. All because Jesus saw the guy that everyone else thought was an evil, has been, no one, not worth their time. Jesus said, this guy. If God gets a hold of that guy, what could happen? And this is, this is how we have to be invitational. If you look at the world through the lens of who you think deserves the goodness of God, you'll never give people the goodness of God. You have to start to see potential. God is in the business of making beauty from ashes. He's a resurrection king. He knows how to take things that are broken and put them back together. And ultimately, when something that's so broken gets so put back together, it has a cataclysmic effect in the world. Because all of us are prone to see the problems and not the potential. So we look at something that's shattered on the ground and we walk away. And Jesus looks at something that's shattered on the ground and goes, oh, "Wait till I get my hands on this bad boy! I'm going to restore this." And people are going to go, "Is that that? Is that is that Marcus? Marcus was a nut job." That guy was crazy. He was no one. He went to church. He felt love. What? So, you have to learn who you are. And you have to believe that what you learn about your identity is true for every other person. Maybe they just don't know it yet. You're going to be the one that moves into their life. So, here's what you have to do look at your community. What if? Your neighbor. What would happen? What would happen? What would happen in the household that's down the street with all the kids where there's something going crazy and you, if, if, if both of them surrendered their life to Jesus, what would happen? Not, oh my gosh, there's so much trouble over there, I'm not going to go over there. What would happen in your, in your industry if those in influence, those had real power instead of being greedy, instead of being, you know, giving in to the way that the world typically works and jealousy and bitterness and and Greed, what if Jesus? What if Jesus got a hold of their life? What could happen? What could happen to them, man? You got to start to have vision. Christians are supposed to bring vision to a dark world. We're supposed to be light in the darkness. That means we have to see possibility. See possibility. What do you see when you see people? Do you see their problems? Or do you see what God can do in the midst of all of our problems? If you see problems and people first, you have the biggest problem. Because we all have problems and we all need someone to see us. And I am so grateful that I had some people in my life who saw me. They didn't see a frustrated kid. They saw a kid that maybe, what if, what if someone got a hold of Joel? Who is it that you have thought they're not the one? They have too many problems. They're not the one. They're in too deep. They're not the one. I can't get mixed up in that mess. I bet that is the one that Jesus would go after. The last one is kind of the one I started with, and I'm going to just hit it home, and then we're going to go. We wanna know sometimes, what does this look like? What does it look like, Joel? Like, we're gonna be invitational, we're gonna be the kind of people who reach the world, we're gonna be the kind of people who share Jesus. What does it look like? How do I know if I'm doing it right? Jesus knows who he is. Jesus waits for permission. Jesus sees potential over problems and he goes and he has a meal. Now could it be That the most common thing, could it be that the most mundane thing, could it be that the thing that we do most routinely in the world, eat a meal, is the place that God wants to move in and take it away from being secular to sacred? Could it be that every single time there's a, a meal that is shared, God wants to actually be a part of that because there's something amazing about a table, right? It's round, people sit around it, people break bread, people share, people pass things, you you have conversations. Could it be that God made the mission field so simple that it's in your kitchen? I mean, when I was going through college, the mission field was Africa. The mission field was India. The mission field was, you know, uh, out west somewhere. I mean, it was it was it was it was if you're going to be on mission for God, you got to go somewhere radical. You got to go somewhere dramatic. What if God is saying, maybe you're supposed to go somewhere dramatic, but for certain you're supposed to go to dinner. And you go, "Okay, dinner?" Yeah. Dinner. You're supposed to go to dinner. Jesus, it's got you know, it's got to be more than that, right? Like I gotta, you know, how do I know if I'm being successful? If you find yourself at someone's table who doesn't know Jesus, if if you if you just find yourself there now, you might not have permission yet, but if you start that way, if you just like end up there. At, Could it be that maybe that's God saying, this is it, this, this is sacred, this is special. This is where I want you. I want you in their homes because their homes are dark. I want you in their conversations because their conversations are challenging. I want you to know what's going on with their life because their life is difficult. And the way you're going to know what matters and the way you're going to show you care is by being At the place that you're going to be every day. But with some different people. I mean, can you imagine if every single one of us in this room, if we found ourselves just in this season of invitation, just just one time, if we just found ourselves one time at the dinner table of just someone who doesn't know Jesus. Someone that lives next door. Someone that invited you over and you were building a real relationship, imagine what could happen. I want you to think about the person of Jesus for a second. Jesus ends this this whole section of scripture. Zacchaeus stands up and he says, I'm giving everything back. My life has changed. Jesus says, good you're a child of Abraham, and then he says this thing, says, says, that, I came to seek, and I came to save the lost, so like, he was on mission, he was on a mission, he, he, he had a purpose, but I just want you to think about the fact that the God of the universe was there, I just see Jesus in such a favorable light, you know. Who, whoever, whoever the greatest person is that you've ever known, whoever uh, has brought you the most joy, whoever's shown you that, uh, that they care about you the most, maybe these are all different people, but whoever has affected you in, in the most supremely kind and heart-filled manner, whoever has done that, I believe that Jesus is a perfect combination of all of those things. And I don't believe that, you know, you have to articulate your faith perfectly. I don't think you have to necessarily go there, certainly not without permission all the time. But what I do believe is that Jesus was so wonderful, so loving, and so grace-filled that Zacchaeus couldn't, couldn't resist him. It's just warm, just love, just presence just imagine if every single one of us felt something different in our hearts because Jesus touched our hearts and then the way we interacted with people was different and because of that people's lives changed you can know isn't that isn't that nice I mean, you, you can't leave church today and be like, I don't really know what we're supposed to do. You can't. If you do that, don't come back because that would annoy me. I told you what you're supposed to do. You need to end up at someone's table. 514 Church is on mission. People need Jesus. And it's our job to move. So I just want to just... Pray for you and pray for all these people that we we live around. Great people. They're not all Zacchaeus. They're not all living in this nightmare of a situation. But they all, if they don't already know Jesus, they need him. You're the person. Wait for permission. See potential. And have a meal. Watch what God can do. Just take a minute and pray. Father, I just... uh, Thank you. Oh, God, I just thank you that you decided to, to, to let me be a part of your light in your life. I just thank you that you forgive me and care about me. And... God, I pray. Spirit of God would move in this church in a new way, like a fresh way. Reach into people's hearts and stir us up. Strike us with a new level of clarity about the world that we live in. Help us to humbly move forward on a mission to reach people. We love you and we thank you for inviting us into your family. We pray, God, that you would use us to reach many, many others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for being here today. Um, I want to encourage you as you're leaving the doors to grab the little invitation cards and uh, let, it, let, it, uh, let it drive you this week to reach into someone's hearts and lives and invite them to our our fall fest next week. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks.